this service is very special to me, and uh, Mark and Ann Tubbs have been a tremendous friend to Lori and I, to, to our church. And so Mark is unable, Mark and Ann are unable to be here next week. They're going to send a video. But uh, Mark was available this week, so I wanted to invite him up to share a few thoughts um, about the transition and about whatever else God put on his heart. All right. And I'll Scooby-Doo out of here. Well, I'll, I'll uh, move along, too. Hey, I won't uh, be long because I want to hear the word from Charlie. Um, and, uh, but uh, we will not be here next Sunday. We'll be actually at a wedding in Ohio. And then uh, we have to struggle to take 56 people down to Cabo, uh, Mexico. So you know the things you have to do for Jesus. Um, but I did want to let you know we are going to Kenya the first week of March. And uh, we would just love to have anybody that wants to join us. And we're praying that maybe Charlie and Lori could go. <laughs> I'll drop them off in a village if you want to. Uh, I promise for days, you know. I'll go back and get them at night. But, you know. Um, but what I, what I want to just do just quickly is say that um, I want to honor, first of all, uh, Charlie and Lori. I know we did yesterday, but I want to do it in a different way. Uh, I gave a prophetic word, of course, about open doors. But I just want to say that what you're doing right now shows us what kingdom leadership really looks like. Um, you see, Jesus gave away his ministry. He raised others up. He equipped. That was his whole uh, life. Um, Luke 9 and 10, when he's sending them out in pairs. Um, this is actually our model in Kenya and around the world. We empower others. Um, we have a movement now with 7,000 churches in Kenya. And the truth is, they just call me Babu. Okay? I'm Grandpa. And they're the ones. It's a Kenyan movement to Kenyans. And I just get to be a support but they look to me for strength and guidance and oversight, but it's them who carry it. That's what kingdom leadership looks like. And you are being an amazing example. Um, early this morning, 5.12 to be exact, God wanted to talk about you. I told him I, was, I would be glad to talk to him at 7.30, but he likes to do it at 5.12. And the first thing I felt like was just the Lord's joy and pleasure in you. And he began to say to me that you buying a home with your son, um, grandchildren, Molly, is Molly, yeah, is a, was, is a prophetic sign of the new season of expansion, of family uh, and kingdom values being expressed in the natural. And he said, that's what's going to look like in this next season. It's going to be about expanded family and taking care of the next generation um, and I, I saw the Spirit giving you a larger bowl. And, you know, it was like, um, I, it's the only way I could describe it. It was a container. And, in fact, it was so big you couldn't carry it. Lord's going to, the Spirit's carrying the bowl. And I said, Lord, what is it? And he says, I'm increasing your capacity to carry the anointing to heal and increase others. I'm expanding and enlarging, enlarging you. Uh, I just felt like the, the Lord gave me this verse, you know, uh, Matthew 13. It says, uh, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, 
or 30 times what was sown. And I know you saw a glimpse yesterday of, you know, people standing up, you know, 35 years ago and speaking into our marriage and all this, and it was very, very powerful. I want to, I, so I bless you and honor you. We prayed for you yesterday. Can I just pray for you again, just like in this transition? Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that this is, we, we believe this is your word. It's you, and it's obedience and fruitfulness. And I just, right now, release the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I agree with the Lord's word over you about this bowl. And I thank you, Lord, for their example in leadership and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so that was fun. All right. <laughs> um, the next thing I wanted to share was that this transition, I'll call it for that, started in discussions three years ago. Okay? It wasn't like last week. It's not a knee-jerk reaction. It's not something that's happening because there's a, you know, a crisis or something. It's something that was in the, from the heart of the Lord. And in fact, a year and a half ago, I had the privilege for them to share with me what they were thinking of doing. We even went out to lunch or dinner. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I just want to say that I've been so impressed by, by the way everything's been done because it's done like family. It's not done, being done like in traditional church thinking. Um, in a natural family, families change. They expand. Babies, marriage, adoption. Of course, sometimes there's uh, loss too, those things. But in a healthy kingdom family, uh, relationships are the key. And when there's a transition of roles, which is happening now, senior leaders to senior leaders, it doesn't mean that you transfer all of their relationships to these relationships. It's like, you're done having a relationship here, and now we transferred them. That's not how the kingdom works. The roles change, and you honor the role changes. So times where you would have gone to the Gesslers regarding the life of the church and other things, you go to the McCanns or to others that they appoint. That's healthy. If there are times, matters of your heart, you've talked for 35 years, you don't say, oh, I got to call the McCanns now. You call your friends who love you and they pour into you. Sometimes they'll say, you know what the McCanns are carrying? Right now, I think they could make a big difference. But see, I did this transition that you're experiencing. I wrote a book on this transition. <laughs> I did. It's called Relational Transformation, Tra Fathering Alignment in the Apostolic. It's all about what you're experiencing. So I brought this copy to bless you guys with. <laughs> Why don't you come up here for it? I'm going to pray for you. And just say that this is such an exciting relational expansion. And I'm so excited for you guys. Um, because you know what? Yesterday, one of my highlights, there were a lot of highlights, Probably one of my main highlights yesterday was when Miko got up to share. Not only a sense of humor, which I enjoyed immensely, but I enjoyed how he said, I honor 
Charlie and Lori, as my spiritual parents, as my father and mother. And I just was listening to everything he said with vulnerability and love and his journey. And I was like going, check, check, check. Because he, he gets, they get the relational dimension of what all this was about. And so I'm excited for all of you. Your family's expanding and growing and changing and people are maturing and empowering. And to me, this means it's a symbol of how you're going to get empowered to another level. Anytime we promote anyone, we don't promote them in a worldly way. We raise them up in a spirit-led way so that others can be raised up according to their call. That's what we're doing. And I wish I was here next week, but I'm not. <laughs> so this is what the Lord showed me. I saw lubricant all over you guys. And it was all over. It was pretty messy. <laughs> I said, Lord, what is that? He said, that's my anointing. And I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to say? He said, my, my, my anointing is going to lead you. First John 2, 27, the anointing will lead you, will teach you. And then he said this. He said, there's going to be an amazing grace in this season. He didn't say the word easy, okay? I mean, I, it was almost that, though. He said, the transitions are going to be smoother than they could ever imagine, but it's about the anointing going to another level. And that's what this is about. When we lay hands on you and empower an, another sphere of authority, because we all know, we all in this room have spheres, and they're all important to God. Paul spoke, speaks about those in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So let me just close my part in blessing you and increasing you. Father, I thank you for Miko and Alyssa, for just the amazing maturity I see in them. And Lord, they understand that the greatest among you is the servant. Setting up tables, food, chairs, stations for people to record. <laughs> Setting up chairs, food. <laughs> Lord, we know that this, this is a lot of what it means, creating a culture, a family. Well, not, not that, sustaining a culture, a family, building a culture, a family, and leading in a very significant way, a family. But I pray right now with the authority I have in me as an apostle, as a relational uh, support to you, I commit myself and Ann to support you in any way we can. And we bless you and increase this anointing. We command a blessing, according to Psalm 133, that you would grow in your unity, grow in the anointings, and grow in refreshment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope I did it in time. All right. Let's give it up for Charlie, Pastor Charlie. All right. You know, in Hebrew, anointing, to anoint means to smear with oil. So, I mean, you're just like covered. It, it, it actually means to glisten. So imagine you have so much oil on you that the light of the Holy Spirit reflects off of you and just shines in people's eyes. Come on. Let's smear them with the Holy Spirit. 
and we'll just see the light of the Holy Spirit glistening off of them and blessing each one of us. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So I have, uh, I have some vulnerability. I have some openness I want to share uh, in this message, and it's kind of a follow-up to the message two weeks ago, shaken and not shaken. You know, I said that this was going to be a year of the Lord coming and shaking things in our lives. And uh, for me personally, something broke. Uh, in the past, I used to be afraid of God coming and shaking things in my life. It's like, whoa, I don't know if I'm ready for change. I don't know if I want to be embarrassed. I don't know if I want to be exposed. But when I read the verse in Hebrews 12, and I realized that the Lord only comes and shakes you to break off of you those things that aren't supposed to remain. And he doesn't shake off of you the things that he's built in your life that are meant to remain. I don't know why, but for me, it was like, okay, God, this is the year. I'm tired of things that have been holding me back, keeping me from you, moving in a different or greater way. Shake it up, God. How many of you prayed that prayer that Sunday? That's what I thought, only Lori. And so... Uh, but the Lord honored that prayer in such a good way that I wanted Lori to come up and share a very specific thing that the Lord was doing in her through that desire. So why don't you share that testimony, dear? So I'm going to be real and authentic. Can I do that? No. <laughs> yes. Okay, so um, many of you may already know this, and I don't need to go into details, but growing up from, for me was traumatic in my household. There was a lot of abuse that was going on, and I was a very sensitive soul. And so instead of engaging, I disengaged. And one of the ways that I disengaged was I went to books, books for my friends. To the point where we would go to gatherings, my family would go and visit my different grandparents, and I would either take a book or I would find a book, and I would disappear into the book. I had my own little world where I couldn't be hurt. And when Charlie spoke that word of being shaken and things getting shaken off of us that need to be shaken off of us, then that popped right back up. And it's popped up many times before, and there's always been this shame that came with this. And this, uh, it's like, well, they've been my friend for so long, I can't just lay it down. Because I know I'll just take it back up. And so um, I was with Gloria. Thank you, Gloria. Don't you just love the way Gloria prays? And I mean, when, when you've got something real, she will cover it in prayer from up one side and down the other until there's nothing left to cover. Thank you, my friend. And so she was praying, and one of the things that she said was she was encouraging herself to repent of things that the Lord is exposing. And in, within myself, it was like, I don't think I'm supposed to repent. That doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like I could do it truly. And then I heard the words... Oh, that's a really important part. I was going to books for comfort. So remember that word, comfort. And the Lord spoke in his very quiet, still voice, saying, I am the God of all comfort. 
And so instead of pointing a finger at bad girl, you've been doing this for your whole life, and I have to shake that off of you, he pointed it to himself to say, well, you're just going to something that only provides a little bit of comfort. I'm the one that provides all comfort. And he turned something that could have been so shaming to me into something that was so loving. That's who he is. Come on. I hope you're able to catch that. The idea that repentance is not a change of direction. I was going the wrong way. I was heading towards sin. Then I turned myself around, and I started to go toward God, and things got better. I mean, that was my Old Testament religious way of thinking about repentance. Now I have a radically different view, partly because of Lori's story. It's God changing your mind, changing your thoughts, the way you see things, and embracing his perspective over the lie that drew you to something else other than him before. And what's beautiful about that is now, it's not willpower, it's love that's turning your heart. Ah, okay, I'm going to agree with you, God. Right? And, and that is not scary. And that is empowering. So, as I was even preparing for this, I just want to read a quick verse. Many of you probably know Luke 7, 21. Nor will they say, and speaking about the kingdom of God, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God starts first in how it begins to change what you think and what you want to do and what you're even feeling, and how those feelings are motivating you. God moves inside of us. Many translations, rather than saying the kingdom is within you, it says the kingdom is within, I love this, your midst. So what he's doing in Mark, what he's doing in Jeff and Carrie Sue, what he's doing in Frank, you know, we're watching the kingdom grow inside of each other and become more and more manifest through us. And through, it's so practical, isn't it? It's what Jesus said, let it be here on earth as it is in the kingdom of heaven. And we're manifesting it more and more. Amen? So pretty basic concept. And then you take the next step and go, okay, the kingdom's within. God, you're doing a work in me. And then Hebrews 12, 27, I'm only going to refer to it real quick. Uh, it's saying basically everything on earth and everything in heaven is going to be shaken. And it says, this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, things of this world, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. He's going to leave that good work, that good way of thinking, that good way of responding, his righteousness in each of our hearts. But you have to be willing to be brave enough to say, okay, God, expose those things that need to be shaken. So I loved Lori's story. And then we continued to grow. We went to home group. And we were having a great time. It was wonderful to see everyone again. And then at one point, we were just kidding around and talking about our trip to Puerto Vallarta. And I, I said something about Lori. And because of the way I said it, it embarrassed her. And she began to feel like she was being shamed in front of other people. You know, what you say in private is one thing. What you say in front of others has even more power to affect your spouse and your kids. And so 
she felt exposed and she kind of got a little defensive and so it was a funny ripple in the moment and, uh, and I didn't quite understand what was going on. Well, the next morning, we get up and then Lori says, so I just want to say what happened at home group. When you said that thing, honestly, I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed, like you were trying to shame me. And I had already apologized and I already acknowledged, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to you know, do that to you or have you feel that way. So then she started to talk to me. What was my reaction? Do you think it was, oh, Lori, please tell me what your experience was. Let me understand it from how it affected you, my dear. Because, no, my mind was, I started to feel shame. I already apologized. Why are we talking about this? And, and the more she talked and tried to explain why she reacted the way she did, the more defensive I got. Can anybody relate to this cycle? She had shame the night before and was trying to express to me the shame that she felt. And because she was saying that, she was, now you're making me feel shame. Why are you continuing to talk about this? And you know the voice I heard in my head? I was so shocked. I heard myself just going, make it stop! Because I was feeling exposed. I'm 63 years old. How long is shame and fear and control meant to affect my behavior? When I shut down and I can't let you share how what I did affected you because I'm afraid I'm going to be made to look bad and you know I'm not able, because she could see it, that I wasn't able to receive what she was saying. It's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can we be done? Can we, you know, make it stop? I was signaling all of that. How do you think she normally responds? Oh, I'm getting on his nerves. He's getting frustrated. Oh, and then Lori starts to shut down because she feels shame that I'm feeling shame that she's putting shame on me. Yep. What kind of a cycle is that? And I wouldn't share all of this if I didn't think it was very relatable. In fact, this week, I've shared this with some people in my Uber car, and you know what? Tears, prayer, invitations. I mean, it was so real to people that I was like, wow. And you know what? For me, that's the kingdom of God continuing to grow inside of me, him shaking off. But you know the beauty and the reason I shared all this time? I either dread it or fear it, or I say, wait a minute, like Lori and God of all comfort, God, you want to show me a way to respond to that where you're going to change the way I think about it and my behavior is going to... I'm not going to willpower my way through this, Jesus. He is the God of grace, the God of empowerment, the God of forgiveness and mercy. You know, we can come into his presence and he will give us a word that can shift those broken areas in us and then one at a time at a time do you guys want that? Yeah. So it's been a, a very impacting week. I may never want to preach again if my words keep getting used against me this way. But uh, I do want to embrace it. So I'm only going to touch on this briefly. I want this to be kind of a simple but practical message. Um, in fact, I didn't even take the offering, but I think if you want to give, go ahead and give. So um, you can give to Jeff later. I don't know if we even have the baskets out, but let me pray. Father, I just thank you that right now this is a new year. This is a, a new beginning. This is a fresh start in many areas of all of our lives. And I just ask again for you to give us courageous and bold hearts 
to be willing to invite you into areas you've never been invited into before, to come and expose those lies, those areas of shame, of fear, of the way we try to control our circumstances to get away from scary emotions. Lord, we don't have to protect ourselves because you are our protector. So I ask for an expansion of your kingdom inside each one of us, an expansion of your kingdom within our midst and our community and all that we come in contact with. We just thank you that you are faithful to bring to completion that work that you're doing in each of our lives. So let this word find root. Let it find good soil. Let it produce the fruit that you desire from it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. They're on the table. Oh, envelopes are on the table. So, yeah. Whether it's a dollar or 10000 we don't care. Just give whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Thanks. So, the anchor verse for today, uh, and the title for the message is actually Rejoice. Uh, Romans 12, uh, 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I've done a little bit of a breakdown, and I'm only going to touch on the first two, but I really want to encourage you. I have been willing to settle for superficial understandings of my friends and what you're going through, of words, of certain concepts. We get these, we pigeonhole things. You know, it's part of the human nature. It's the design of our brain to work with efficiency. So when we encounter something, we try to come up with a perception, a stereotype, a generalization. Okay, now I understand this. I don't have to deal with it again. And so we do that sometimes with a word like righteousness. Oh, I, I think I know what righteousness is. And so I thought, okay, well, Lord, if I really want to understand your kingdom, if your kingdom is within me, and if the three primary ways you define your kingdom are those three words, I think understanding righteousness, what from his perspective is kind of important. You know, go beyond the superficial. And so in, I'm going to just read this. In both the Old Testament and New Testament, righteousness is the state commanded by God and standing the test of his judgment. So righteousness is what God has commanded us to do, how he wants us to be, the love that we're supposed to walk in. It's not living by the law, but living by the, the law of love toward each other. You understand? God set a standard, and he's the only one who could determine what areas in our life we're not meeting that standard. And by the way, in the simplest definition, that's, I love staying practical, what is real righteousness? It's Christ-likeness in you. Being like Jesus in every word, every deed, every... God is actually, miraculously, we're on the greatest adventure and journey of mankind to come to really know God through his son and to see who we are in him. Is there a greater journey? Is there a greater transformation, a greater healing for each of our hearts than learning what it means to be like Jesus, to become righteous? It is conformity to all he commands. In short, it's Christ's likeness in you. So cinnamon, cinnamon for synonyms for righteousness are being just, upright, virtuous, integrity, and most of all, loving. 
Like we talked about earlier, the gifts of God display His power, but love displays His character. So, uh, we can't get into all of it right now. It's a huge issue, what it looks like, Old Testament, New Testament. But a verse that encouraged me, and it was new for me this morning, Romans 5.17. For if by the transgression of one, being Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Our righteousness starts as a gift from God. He actually puts the nature of his son in us, and the rest of our life is the process of that nature becoming our reality, walking it out, living it out, believing it, getting free from the shame, letting God say, no, don't run to that, run to me, and what that practically looks like in your life. That's an amazing process, and we talked about justification a few months ago, so I'm not going to get into that, but the gift of God, when, you, you, are you ever going to be righteous, righteous enough, good enough to deserve heaven? On your own effort, in your own understanding and perspective, are you going to earn it? You can't. It's trusting the faith, trusting the gift. Okay, God, when I come before you as the Father, rather than being decimated because of my sin, you're going to see the righteousness of your Son in me, and I'm going to be welcomed with open arms. That is life. And it's as practical now as it's going to be at heaven's gate. And peace means several things. I love this. It's um, in a civil sense, it means the opposite of war. So you don't have an adversary. Death is not knocking at the door. You, you don't have to fear imminent harm. But it also means tranquility. I love this. Tranquility arising from reconciliation with God. When you're... Ever hear the old say, have you made your peace with God? People on their deathbed? There's a peace, a tranquility that comes with people who know, oh, I'm right with God. I've come to God on his terms. And guess what else? What another aspect of peace is once you come into tranquility because you're reconciled with God... Then you begin to move in divine favor. God's empowerment, God's blessing begins to rest on your life to set you free, to shake and break off all those things that don't belong. Come on, that's the kind of peace I want. So other cinnamon for uh, peace means health. Anybody ever been sick? You, you don't feel at peace. When your body is aching and you're you know, feeling nauseated, that's a lack of peace, wouldn't you say? I didn't realize peace was so associated with health, with welfare, with prosperity, and every kind thing. Everything that's kind and good is what emanates and flows from peace. Uh, the Old Testament perspective on this is the word, anyone know? Mark? Word for peace in Hebrew? Shalom. There you go. And by the way, it was kind of surprising. Guess what shalom means? It means wholeness. God has restored you. He's made you whole and complete and healthy again. So when you say shalom to someone, you're saying, okay, I, I speak wholeness, health, well-being, prosperity, and, by the way, peace, as opposed to war. 
So uh, Miko and I had a talk. I really appreciated this. I was talking about peace being a really good indicator if God is leading you in an area of your life. And Miko got a little agitated. I don't like that. It's like, what are you talking about? That's foundational for me. But if I heard, if I'm wrong, you'll be up here in a week so or, or two. You can correct it. In the meantime, just leave me alone. Uh, but, but some people go with their superficial understanding of peace, which is, I have no stress. Well, I'm not talking human understanding of peace. I'm talking godly understanding, where there's stress and you're not stressed. There's peace that surpasses comprehension. And that's the peace of God that rises above circumstances, right? Because you're not worried about how circumstances control you. So it's a very good point when I talk to people about peace and they're just thinking superficial. Oh, I just don't want my kids to be noisy. You know, I want people to like me. You know, that's not the kind of peace we're talking about here. It's so much more profound than that. So I love this, um, Philippians 4.7, we know the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's that sense of it's going to be okay. I don't even know how it's going to be okay, but it is. People who are grounded and rooted in the goodness of God know that he works all things together for good. He takes what's intended for evil and what? So if it isn't good yet, he's not done yet. That's the kind of peace that's focused on his ultimate victory. Woo! In our lives. I love, but today's not about righteousness. Today's not about peace. You know what today is about? Come on, baby. Joy in the Holy Ghost. I don't understand believers who think they're having an encounter with God and walk around bummed out, slumped, shouldered, and hopeless. I don't know if they're having a genuine encounter with God. And, oh, man, everybody sat up really sure. Okay. It's not me. Thank you, Miko. Man, he's at attention. Now, and I don't want to be judgmental, but the hope that we have, the joy that we have because of being reconciled with God should be the, the, the primary impression other people take from our lives. And how many of you had a sense of, well, yeah, yeah. My daughter worked at the Council on Foreign Relations in uh, New York. And there's a whole culture, a whole mentality. The only intelligent people are the cynical people. The ones who are sober and everything is serious. And so Alyssa shows up, this little light of joy, and she stood out radically in these East Coast, Ivy League, Everybody, seriously, they've had this facade of being very, well, you know, it may look good now, but it's going to go wrong. You know that. What kind of faith does that take to assume that everything is going to go badly? I, I, I don't get it. It's, it. For me, it really is the opposite of the kingdom. So joy, to rejoice, uh, some of the words are gladness. I love this one. Exaltation. How often does your heart just get so lifted up that you're exalting in God's goodness in your life or great joy? Um, when it says joy in the Holy Ghost, I love this, that, that means in the Holy Spirit, joy which the Holy Spirit imparts by his influence. 
the more he's influencing you, the more you are actually in his presence, the accompanying attribute is joy. You're experiencing the kingdom of God in that moment. So I found a new verse, Psalms 21.6. It says, for you, <coughs> for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. You, he's talking about people whose hearts are after God. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. That, for me, says it. I've never read, read, I never saw it that way in that verse before. When you're actually in the presence of God, you know, because there will be righteousness. I want to have integrity. I want to be like you. I want to be like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I have peace. I'm okay. I'm in your presence. There's well-being. But ultimately, wow, for you to lavish your love, for you to allow your countenance, your face to shine on me, for you to allow me in your presence. I love that there's joy, and many verses talk about uh, extreme joy, the highest joy, when Jesus comes, that exaltation of joy in the highest. You know, you don't get that from a good movie. You don't get that from chocolate, you know, or, or other superficial things, not the lasting kind. So, believe it or not, I'm getting ready to end. And uh, I want to read something to you, and I want to... What? What, the first ending? What was that? Yeah. You get a little lift, I have to admit. But the Holy Ghost is better than caffeine. Yeah, I used to think the Holy Ghost was in a cup of coffee, but uh, it's just a shadow. So... No, you're fine, you're fine. I, I guess the main point of all of this is I am looking for the kingdom. I want God to come and shake my life. I want him to break loose those things that have only inhibited and kept me from his fullness. But most of all, I want him to shake loose anything that would keep me from experiencing his presence. Because I know I, I love discipleship. I, his word, it's an open door to his presence. So you can read the Word of God and try to understand it intellectually, or you can try to read the Word of God from your heart and say, what are you talking to me about from this? And through that open door, he begins to renew your mind, transform that repentance that Lori was experiencing without shame. He doesn't come to shame and belittle. He comes to awaken in you that you're his child, that you're the object of his love, that he wants to lavish upon you wisdom, you know, and empowerment and comfort. It's amazing. Our whole life is continuing to pursue his presence, you know, to turn our hearts continually to him, as you know. And so that's why I read the word of God regularly because I'm going through the doorway into his presence. That's why I worship because we enter his courts with thanksgiving, yeah, and his gates with praise. I think I got that reversed, but he honors it either way. But most of all, um, I love when I finally quiet myself and I try to listen attentively. And I, I practice it and I practice it. And it just gets easier. But for me, I do it 
not to manipulate God, not to even get something from God. I do it because it's my way of encountering God. And so I want to encourage you, make this a year of passionately, consistently pursuing his presence. Whatever your devotional life is, let him increase it. Let him expand it. Let him open your mind to new ways, creative ways of spending time with him. And so on the first of this year, so Sunday two weeks ago, I was, I, the message was done. I thought, okay, I'll spend some time with you, Lord. And I, I started to, he was talking to me about things I'm not going to share with you because you're not ready for it and you'll judge me. But uh, I, apparently I was ready for it. But then I said, so Lord, what do you want to talk about? And I heard this. So I'm just going to read it to you. But um, hmm. well, okay, let me preface this before I read it. Um, our grandkids actually one time I asked what they were hearing from the Lord, and they, and they kind of said, well, Grandpa, I don't hear from him like you do. I mean, I just get a word. Sometimes I'll get a picture or something, and I know you get whole sentences, and, 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 and it, kind of, it grieved me. I was like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. However you experience, whatever he shares, you know, he knows just what's right for you right now in this moment. But even as I read this, you know, I'm not saying this is scripture, but it's his voice to me. And so I test it against the word, I meditate on it, I, I weigh it, but I just want to awaken in you that you're his sheep and you hear his voice. This is the year. He can speak paragraphs, chapters. He can speak into your life if you position your heart and your time to make way for him. Amen? And what he will say to you will be more transformative than probably anything Miko can preach or that I can preach, and we do our very best, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is here, and Jesus had a preaching ministry, thank you, you know, we're not just here to throw a bunch of words at you, we're hoping the Spirit's going to impregnate things in your heart from the Spirit, but the words you hear from Him, those are Spirit, and they are life, and it brings the shaking of the things that need to be broken in your life, and Honestly, my primary experience, ask anybody, when I sense the presence of God, uh, like Cheryl and I, okay, we love to say ho and show and whatever, you know, she got on a Honda, whatever, we'll, we, we manifest, but I, 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 I joy, just overwhelmed. At the times that I've been in a room with people, the Holy Spirit showed up, we could tell he was speaking into our circumstances, and laughter was the only appropriate response in that moment. So, this was my journaling on the first of this year. Rejoice. Let joy overwhelm your soul. Let it shake and break loose all that does not belong. A soul saturated in joy has nowhere sin can hide. Thankfulness and gratitude manifest in effervescent joy. Joy cleanses and restores the heart. Spontaneous outbursts of joy are normal to a heart that knows the gospel. Rejoicing is the most appropriate response to my presence. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday. Mm-hmm.